Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Glad you're here. And I'm glad to be here with you. That's a good thing. Hey, uh, as my sister-in-law, hey, that's my sister, by the way. Won't y'all give it up for Noreen? Yeah, she's killing it. As she was saying, next steps, she invited y'all all to a date. Next steps, next Sunday, be there or be square. That's right. Uh, you can register if you can, please. That way we have plenty of books and, and desserts or whatever it is that we do that night. 6 p.m. in the atrium cafe space, depending on how many there are. Next steps, how do I get plugged into this church? What do I, how do I find out about this church? I go to next steps. I go to next steps. How do I get, how do I figure out what God's will is, his calling is on my life? Well, I go to next steps, and then I take my next steps, and I start to serve. It's all about next steps with God. He can't, he's not, he's not giving calling and, and just pouring out and revealing people to people who are just sitting there. So get moving. I'm challenging you. Yeah, get moving. We have to be in mo motion, in movement, and all of a sudden, God begins to open our eyes and see very clearly, this is why he created me. And don't forget, by the way, if you guys are in 6th grade to 12th grade, your next step right now is our student ministry on Wednesday nights at 6, 6 p.m. And so, boom, there's that. Hey, uh, I want to tell you all something about, there it is, I want to tell you all something about this right here, Purple Book. We, are, create, we have created a YouTube a YouTube uh, discussion about this. This is a discipleship book. We're all going through it. We're asking that everyone go through this book right here, the purple book, super user-friendly on understanding the, will, the Word of God. And that's what we're here to do is to help disciple you to understand the Word of God, giving you as many opportunities as you possibly can and have. We're putting a, we put together a YouTube channel it's a sub-channel within our Thrive community, Thrive CC Athens channel on YouTube. And so there's going to be a discussion about it. I think Nicole did that this week. And so they're right now we're covering two lessons at a time. And in our, in, our, uh, in our group, the men's group, I tribe, my Thrive tribe that I meet with guys on Thursday morning, we started breaking this down. And I'm telling you, we barely got to it because we started this group about a year ago. And, and the first question I ask is, how's your soul? And you know how men are. Good. So it took us every bit of four and a half minutes to get through 12 men on good. Well, Thursday it took us 40 minutes. That's, that's an amen right there because there's men that are willing to get open and honest and transparent and vulnerable and start to really talk about the conditions of our soul. You know what happens there? God moves. God moves. And so we touched lightly on this. We talked about the words like sanctification, what that means. We need to know that justification salvation. We need to know what God means whenever he's saying these things, and only he can define what he means by any of these theological words that seem scary or at least unknown. We need these for our foundational basis so we can know how to be built up as the body of Christ. And this is why we're saying, hey, we're, we're giving it to you, but if there's others who are like, hey, I would like, to, I would like to invest in that, sow in that, we're also receiving donations back here in the black box behind this really scary blue guy in the blue. There he, oh, he's smiling now. <laughs> he's protecting the black box. You know how Jesus would stand over the, the offering bucket and he'd be like, the basket, he's watching everybody. I want to see what you're giving. I want to see every little, if y'all don't know, Jesus actually did that, but he wanted to see the condition of the heart. Amen? Amen? Amen to that. Well, hey, it's the first of the month, and so it's a good time to bring, show the condition of your heart by bringing in your tithes and offerings of all your increase from the previous year. Amen to that? Amen. 
Oh, less amens than that one. But, <laughs> but hey, you'll get there, and I guarantee you, you'll be like, man, I'm so blessed by that. And so are others, because God says that there will be food plenty in the house of the Lord. Food plenty, spiritual food. Hey, uh, first Wednesday is this Wednesday. And this is a time where we are getting our go team, our ministry teams together and building relationships because it's all about relationship. The kingdom of God moves through relationships. But we're also inviting all those who are, who are serving on Faith Fest. That's uh, if you put your paper name on the paper out in the atrium, that's for Faith Fest, October 30th. We want you to be there. We are having a, a we have competitions because we don't mess around. We compete not to kill each other, but to, uh, you know, challenge one another. And last month, our guest experience team showed up at the very end and dominated our media team. Yeah. Look, wait, wait, wait. Her son is back there on the team, on the, and he couldn't even look at him. Couldn't even look at his own mom because she's showing trophy. This is how much competition I'm telling you. So, but you better bring your A game on the chili, young lady, because it is on. Hey, hey, all right, all that fun stuff out of the way. We got to move. Y'all get some amens and hallelujahs. We'll move through this really quickly. Uh, but watch yourself because this is, it could be a challenging conversation today. We have uh, been in this series talking about decrypted. And all this is is we're trying to bring to clarity, cookies on the bottom shelf, what God's will is for my life according to his word. Not sugarcoating it, not changing it, not manipulating it for my truth and my desires, my happiness. But here's what God's will is for all of us, his general will. So that the more we walk in his and begin to understand his general will, which comes through discipleship, by the way, we begin to discern the specific will, the, the, the specific call of God on our individual lives. And that's what we all want, but there's some labor to get there. Week one, we talked about uh, using Nehemiah had a burden in his heart when he heard about the condition of Jerusalem, the city of God, the place where God's glory would dwell. Uh, the, the, his kinsmen, his, his kindred, his kinfolk, the other Jewish, Jewish nation, Jewish people that had come back out of the exile, they were still living in a city of ruins, a city of humiliation, a city where their enemy could come in and out and take advantage as, as much as they wanted to. The walls were burned, the gates were burned, every place was in Ruins, And we've talked about what that means spiritually, but we pulled out on our side of the cross, Ephesians 2.19, what, what God says about these situations when we're talking about rebuilding the kingdom of God, rebuilding his church. This was what Nehemiah was going back to do in a natural sense, but on this side of the cross, there's a spiritual uh, shadow type to pull from that and a spiritual understanding. And so uh, God says in Ephesians 2.19, you have been adopted into the family of God. Hallelujah, I belong somewhere. I mean, that's, that's a play, that's something that we all desire from the day we're born. Where do I belong? In the family of God. And then two, he says, you're members of God's household. Well, hallelujah to that, because there's purpose where my, I'm a member of a household. That means there's chores. Oh, I said if you go hallelujahs and amens, we can move through the, hallelujah, I get, to, I get to serve, I get some chores. Amen to that. Well, that's a good thing when God's the one who's assigning those things, those chores. And so I, if I'm going to be a member, then i got a responsibility to, to be a member of something, to show up with my membership. And so it's a member, we're members of his household. Then he says, hey, nonetheless, you're also identity. He says, you're, you're citizens with the saints in heaven. You're citizens with the saints in God's kingdom. He says, there's identity. Here's who you are. You're not a citizen of this world. Don't worry about what happens here. You're a citizen of another space. 
And I get to dictate how you see this space that you're living in because it's based on the kingdom, the the rules, the king's domain, the the rules of the king's domain, which dictates how this life should be lived out. I'm a citizen of a different space. Well, that was week one. What a week. Week two, we talked about deliverance, salvation, water baptism, uh, and spirit baptism. We talked about the importance of these, and we referred to the gates that were restored in, in the kingdom, in, uh, in Jerusalem. We talked about those four gates. Deliverance, we all need it. We all need freedom from our past because, sadly, we have a negative experience in our past. Maybe it's school, maybe it's family, maybe it's church, maybe it's workplace, whatever space it was. Maybe it was sports on a team. Whatever it is, we have a negative experience, and then all of a sudden, we're living in modern-day 2022 going into 2023, and something happens unintentionally or something that God is actually using to grow us into the future, and we reframe our definition, our understanding is still way back here in the 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, and we respond out of this hurt in that situation, and we continue to compound our own pains and our own problems. We blame this situation, but it's really that situation because we haven't found healing from it. With me? That's why we need deliverance and then salvation from the Lord. Water baptism is very spiritual because the old dies and the new is raised again, raised to life, raised with Christ as he came through the tomb, out of the tomb, and in resurrected life. This is what water baptism does spiritually for us. And then it's a ministry of Christ for every person to be spirit baptized. This is a gift from God. This is a promise from the Lord. And he says, wait on it. It's a separate experience. If you don't understand that, go to our last series. You'll get it. Uh, go to this last message, you'll get it. Uh, week three, man, we've done a lot in just a few weeks already, right? Like lives are changed. Week three, we talked about shepherds and the importance of shepherds. God places shepherds according to his heart over us. Oh, I don't know about that one. We need shepherds. I need a shepherd. I'm thankful for my shepherds that I have. And I subject myself to my shepherds, and they speak life into me, and they speak the truths that I don't always want to hear, but it sure is necessary for me to hear that because it actually produces life. It produces the change, the very necessary change that I need for the season that I'm going in. It gives me perspective. It gives me understanding. I need the shepherds. God says he places shepherds. He places shepherds for protection. He places shepherds for direction. He, pl- he places se- shepherds to, to deliver truths. He pl- places shepherds over us to move us forward in his kingdom. And we talked about the five ministries, basic ministries of Jesus. One was he, they anoint, he anointed me. I was uh, the, the anointing of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord has anointed me. This was spirit baptism. And then we talked about salvation. That's a ministry of Jesus, that everybody be, uh, one, be saved. Uh, physical healing, that's a ministry of Jesus by way of the Holy Spirit. It's the authority of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus, physical healing is a, is a possibility. Uh, that's, that is a ministry of Jesus. And then deliverance, we talked about that yet again. Uh, remember, we, we, we see all scripture, even the demons listen to us under your authority, Jesus Don't be surprised by that. Remember, he says, uh, you're a citizen in heaven. Your name is written in the book of life. Be more important, put more importance on that one. And then I put this lastly, even though it's about number three in this lineage of Isaiah and and the book of Luke, it's inner healing, emotional healing. This is a ministry of Jesus. And that alludes into week four of this series, that's today, is I think we live in the greatest, most blessed opportunity, the, the most wonderful chance for the, for the church to thrive. 
This season of the world, of all of humanity, I think we live in the most, we live in the most opportune time, a time when marriages are most in need, a time where division is at its highest. Every category now, every person has a different category to segregate us. Hallelujah, we get to find further segregation. Woo! An opportunity, though, for the church, a time where people are most depressed, anxious, fear-filled, and overly medicated. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. In God, and only in God, and only in his word, is there a solution, a long-term, long-lasting solution for all of these issues, all of these circumstances, and everything that ails us. And God has given us a prescription book as doctors, as medics, sub-doctors, to write a prescription to the lost and hurting world to say, here, here's the solution to your problem. Here's what's really going to uh, heal you long term from salvation, spirit, <laughs> spirit baptism, physical healing, deliverance, emotional healing. Here's the thing, the word of God. And I know it because I've been following my purple book with my pastor. But God has given us a prescription. But he's saying, but you've got you've to be a, a partaker first. He's saying, the very things that I want to do through you, I've got to do in you first. And so it's going to get a little difficult. It's going to get a little challenging. But I promise you, if you'll just allow the process, I will do some miraculous things because he says we'll do far greater things than he ever did. And it can't be in and of our own self. So he's got to get us out. And, and in this real-life scenario, though, we have to be those far, first partakers. Revolution, Revelation 12, 12 says this. It says the, the devil knows his time is short. Revelation 12, 17, in context of the devil knowing his time is short, he says because the devil knows his time is short, he is doing all he can to stir up trouble amongst those who are willing to, com to follow the commands of God. That's the body of Christ, people. He's doing all he can to create division. Why? Because it, the body of Christ is dependent upon billions of relationships working out. We're the body, and our relationships are necessary. Healthy relationships are necessary to fulfill the calling of the body of Christ. And so Satan, knowing that in all of his wisdom, says, well, I'm going to stir some stuff up amongst churches, amongst leadership. Strike the shepherd, and the shepherd will flee. The sheep will flee amongst people in the church. I'm going to stir some stuff up, but God has another plan, and it's good news that we get to live in this season, because as we apply God's word to our most challenging situations, trials, he fortifies us, he strengthens us for every trial and every battle ahead. When, when David stepped out to fight Goliath, he only did with full confidence what he had learned and perfected in the private quarters. While he was on the hillside protecting sheep and lions and bears would come and try, he would kill them so he had all the confidence in the world knowing who his God was and who he was in God and what he could do in, for his God. He knew it because of what he did in the private sector. So it was nothing. It was nothing. He had all confidence. And the moment he stepped out for God, the condition of his relationships began to face their biggest trials. Oh, you're all good as long as you're on the, mountain, on the mountainside watching over sheep. I mean, him and his brothers, 
had a little, little strife, but let him step out into the, into the public. Let him take down Goliath. Now we got two kingdoms that don't like him. Now we got divided quarters. Now we got his brothers even more so, and oh man, this guy. He stepped out for God, and his problem started. So we're talking about this wonderful conversation decrypted and discerning the will of God for my life. But today, today we have to understand that God, love is God's will. This is a thing that we have to conquer, we have to trust, we have to fulfill, we have to fall into, we have to decide this is what I, my next step is to fulfill God's will, God's calling on my life so that I will be able to discern his specific will for my life and for my family. I must love. And we're using Nehemiah, of course. There's a natural situation, but it's a very spiritual understanding. And then Eliashab, Eliashib, the high priest, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 rose up with his brethren and the priest and built the sheep gate. We talked about that last week. They consecrated it, meaning they dedicated it. They set it aside as, as important. This is the principle of the first. They, whatever was first, they dedicated it to the Lord. This is just a principle. The tithe is just a principle. It blesses the rest. It doesn't hurt you. It blesses you. It doesn't take from, from you. It gives more to you. And so they consecrated it and hung its doors. They built as far as the Tower of 100. Now, this was the first tower that they built toward. Guess what they did? They dedicated it. They consecrated it to the Lord so that the rest would be blessed. And then as far as the Tower of Hananel, verse 2, next, the Eliash, next to Eliashib, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Emri, built. Also, the, son, the sons of Hesanah built the fish gate. We'll talk about that next week. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars, verse 4. And, the ne and next to them, Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Kaz, made repairs. Pay attention to that. Next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the sons of Meshizabel, made repairs. Next to Zadok, the son of Banah, made repairs. Made repairs. Next to them, the Tekoites, made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. Made repairs is the statement that I want you to understand today as we're talking about the context of our conversation. 26 times you see this in the Bible, and they're all in the book of Nehemiah right here. We just read four of those times you see made repairs. You don't see this anywhere else in God's word except for right here in this very spiritual book. Remember what we said, Nehemiah literally means one who comforts. Who does that remind you of? Jesus said, I'm going to send, no, Jesus says, I'm going to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And Nehemiah is a picture of the Holy Spirit sent to God's people as one who comforts. Here's the picture for us. You got to get it. Got to get it. He was thinking about his own hometown. And all hometowns, when you think about, man, that's the place I grew up in. Yeah, there were some trials. Yeah, there were some struggles. But man, there's something about it that just holds a warm place in your heart. You never get to live that again. That's a moment in time that you never get back. But it's a very impactful moment because so many of today's happenings are based on what you experienced back then, what you didn't get to experience back then, the hurts that you experienced back then, the shortcomings that you experienced back then, the I wish I would haves back then are still dictating some of the things today. And so he's 
He's experiencing this. It ought not be. And he's remembering that the word says that God says that my glory will only dwell in the city of Jerusalem. And he's thinking the city, the city of Jerusalem's in ruins here. Look at it. It's a trash dump. Anybody ever ministered, gone on a mission trip and ministered in a trash dump? I have. It's nothing to be desired. And he's looking at Jerusalem. This is the city of God. How can it be that we have allowed the city of God to look like this? How come no one has stepped up and done anything? It was the reputation of God that was on the heart of Nehemiah. And I wonder if today the people of God are concerned about making repairs in the church, making repairs in the kingdom of God. I wonder, as Nehemiah was in the city of God, I wonder what the world sees when they see the place that is to carry the glory of God. I wonder, I wonder what the world sees. And I wonder if, if people are as concerned about making repairs to the church to God's kingdom as they are to their own kingdom. Mm. And I think if we're going to start repairing, making repairs, I think we should start exactly where Jesus pointed, and that's love. Yeah, faith is important. Yeah, hope is important, but love is the greatest of all. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-four through 40, he says, But when the, the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Oh, he's got, they got them. He's got them. Pharisees starting to gather together. Well, he's going, all right, we're looking good right now. Sadducees are not looking so good. It's on our side. It's balls in our court. And so they pull in, they pull in the lawyer. He's educated. He's an educated Pharisee. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? The great commandment in the law. Great question. Because in the framework in which they were asking, he was talking about 613 laws. They were asking Jesus about which of 613 laws is most important. What they took was the, they took the Hebrew alphabet and they counted up all of the gatherings of the, he, of the Hebrew alphabet. And it came to 613 so the rabbi said there will be 16, 613 laws then. The gatherings, it's, it's like numerology. So every number, every letter rather, has a, a number equivalent, a value that's connected to it. So my name is Nathan, has six letters. There would be N, a, 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 num, a number, a count for N, for A, for T, for H, for A, and for N. And they would tally that up and whatever the total was, that's how they got the total. Got it? 613 gatherings from the Hebrew alphabet. Well, 248 was the number of body parts that they were aware of in that day. And so they made 248 laws that were good laws, positive laws, the thou shouts. But then the, the division, 613 minus 248 equals 365. There's 365 days of the year, as there is, as we know. And then those would be the negative laws, the thou shalt nots. And, and no law was equal. There was different weights, different measures. Some were lesser, some were greater. And so the values were all different, and the weights and measures were all different. And now that you know the framework of the conversation that you were in culturally, they're asking with all this understanding, Jesus, which of these 613 that have different weights and measures and different responsibilities and different needs and different demands that are positive and negative, which one's most important? But Jesus had a great response. 
Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Can I just say that when we bring problems into today from yesteryear, yesterdecade, it's still our soul that's, that's bound up, that's still wounded, that's still hurting. But if I love the Lord with all my soul, I'm willing to subject and subordinate every thought, every attitude, everything that so easily entangles me for the sake of walking in his glory in this day. That's just a side note for you. This is for the, he says, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. John 13, 34, 35 says, a new commandment, this is Jesus speaking, the new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples. You see how love builds up the kingdom of God so that all will know that we are his disciples because of love. If you have loved for one another. The church was founded on love one another. And I believe if we will get back to love one another, then we can make the necessary repairs that makes the kingdom of God so effective. Love, let me give you a definition, a web-based definition of love. I'm not going to give you all the ones that have sexual connotations to it. All right, you get it. But love in in a noun form, an intense feeling of deep affection for a person or thing. An intense feeling. Verb, I feel, I feel deep affection for someone. Notice feelings are so involved when it comes to love according to the world's dictionary. And I firmly believe love is not just a feeling. But I do believe when we love authentically, then feelings do get involved in the process. Right, But I refuse to believe that love boils down to a feeling. Because if my love for you is based on how I feel, then when my feelings change, then by necessity, our relationship changes. Well, I think I fell out of love. What do you mean? Does that sound like Jesus, though? That's what most of us are used to today when people say, I love you. What do you mean by that? I mean, for as long as you need me, for as long as you want me around, for as long as I'm willing to do what you say I'm going to do, I should do, you should, uh, what, how, what does that mean? I love you for as long as, as I feel like it and it's convenient for me. Because whenever someone says, tells you I love you, these are the things that you're trying to figure out in combination of what do they mean by love in this scenario? And do I have to earn that? Do I have to continually work for that? Am I ever going to be good enough to live up for that? Or what does he mean by love? He's just trying to manipulate or she's just trying to manipulate? What it, or when you, if someone says this to you, these are the combinations that you're trying to figure out. What do they mean by love? I'm going to give you two significant ways our love is to be expressed towards one another. Number one is this, love honors the dignity of others. Looking at this great contrast here between the world's love and God's love. Matthew 5, 38 through 48 says, you have heard that it was said, and you all know this, you've all heard this, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other cheek other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have 
your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, let him go two. Go two with him. That give to who, him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. This is probably challenging how you love and how you see love, how you've defined love for yourself and how you've defined love for others, the expectation. And if, verse 47, and if you, regret, if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Seriously, who can do this? Only God can do this. But the way God can do this is through you. If you, if you, do, if you not don't understand this and we don't apply this, then whenever God creates an opportunity and challenges us with such a task, we will miss the opportunity to deliver his love to a lost and a hurting people. Oh, man, the way I want to do this is going to be, ooh. But God is saying this, and God is saying this, and he's challenging me with an opportunity to deliver love into a broken person. In the moment we apply what he is saying, here's, here's what God thinks about our enemies. He loves them just as much as he loves you. And there was a time where you were an enemy to someone, and he loved you just as much as he loved them. God loves them exactly the same way, and he loves me and you the same. If we apply his truths to a very difficult situation, then he is the one who promotes us, and he, give it, and he begins to deliver his love through us. He begins to do a supernatural thing that we don't understand when we just begin to apply his word. Romans 12, 21 says this, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know why people hurt you? Because they're living out of their own, their own wounds in their own heart. And God's plan to heal them is to honor their dignity by loving them better than they deserve. Do you know people that are wounded in their heart will try to tear down the environment to bring it down to the level of love that is in their heart? If you don't know, you need to know. So whenever they're bringing their stuff and they're showing you that ugliness and they're showing the, the resistance and they're continually bringing it about, all they're doing is saying, hey, here's the wounds in my heart. Here's what's going on inside. What are you going to do about it? And it may well be that the only way God is, has to get to them is through you. Missions, yeah, missions and evangelism doesn't just happen in foreign fields and, and Billy Graham revivals. It happens when we're willing to live life on life, having really difficult conversations and leading people yet unto Jesus. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 7 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. 
Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Remember puffed up. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. You know what that is? A deeply rooted sin. For some reason, I cannot overcome this thing. I just keep doing this over and over and over and over. Iniquity. Does not rejoice in those things. Because sometimes, let me tell you about, since we're talking about belonging, purpose, and identity, sometimes we find more identity in our iniquity than we do in the word of God and the truths of God. We begin to defend our behaviors, our actions, our attitudes. And we put, a, we put a wall, we build a wall around that saying, this is the place in which I'm going to stand and we can fight right here, but I'm going to fight for that truth. Wrong identity, wrong place. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. And God's truth is the only truth in light of this context especially. Verse 7, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We will, the, we will either live our lives as a reaction to people or a reflection from God. That's it. I'm either going to live in reaction to you constantly and based on what you do is going to dictate how I feel and how I act and how I behave or I'm going to choose to live a reflection from God. And I'm going to so shine his face, his glory on you. God's love through us does not have to wait on the response of another individual. I have learned that something supernatural happens to us in the inside when we love others like God on the outside. Man, I don't want to do this. I really don't want it, but God's word says it. And all of a sudden, when I just do that, even though I really don't feel like it, God does something miraculous inside of me. He gives me the very promotion, the very things that I've been praying for, I've been fasting for, I've been reciting scripture over. God, you said it. You're going to do it. You've been declaring it. You've been prophesying over your own life. And you're going for the prayer circle for prayer. And I just keep And he's just saying, well, you will handle this difficult situation according to my word, because if you'll do that, I'll take care of all this other stuff. Your prayers will be answered. Verse, I mean, let me give you three characteristics of the world's way. Boy, y'all are going to have to listen really fast. The world's way of love and contracts to God's way of love. World's way of love is judgment. If you don't do what I want you to do, then I'll judge you. I'm going to let everybody know what you, do, what you did and why you didn't do it. Number two, rejection. I will reject you for, for failing to perform to my expectations of you. You didn't do what I expected. I don't love you anymore. You're going to have to work and earn my love. In fact, while you're earning my love, you're going to, have to also earn my forgiveness. Good luck. It's, high, it's really high standard. <laughs> Three, manipulation. You're going to love this. This is to get you to do what I want you to do. And how I do this is withholding my affection from you, hoping that your desire for affection and friendship will cause you to do what I want you to do. Ooh. Like you're, you're, you're kind of assessing, mm, how do I love? Or B, what I'm actually, here's what they're actually getting you to do. I actually want you to find your affection and find your hope and find your happiness and find your joy in me rather than God. And I will manipulate you and tear you down until you find that in me rather than him. What this isn't though, oh sorry, let me give you the three characteristics of God's kind of love. Commitment, my love towards you is not dependent upon how you act. I'm going to love you anyway. Number two, forgiveness. We're going to walk in forgiveness whether they ask for it or not. And the reason is that the relationship is more important to us than what they said or did to hurt us. Yeah, things have to change. Yeah, things aren't the same. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, we got to have some challenging conversations. But I'm going to love you anyway, and I forgive you. 
but we need to talk about it so we can get it straight. But we're gonna, the only thing we can do is get it lined up with God's word. Well, I need to understand God's word in order to be able to do that. How can I apply God's word if I don't know it? One of the chief characteristics of God's love is that I love you where you are, but I love you too much to allow you to stay there. Yeah. We're going to have some talks. And what this isn't is some incomplete kind of love that doesn't know how to confront sin. As we grow in love, the love of God can always see the difference between ignorance and rebellion. Like, they just don't know. Oh, man, they're, they're just ignorant, a lack of knowledge. You know, Scripture says that my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. But then there's rebellion. It's like, I don't care what you say. I don't know. That's not what I want to do. No, that's, that's not my truth. Here's my truth. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> I love you, and I forgive you, and I'm understanding, but it ain't going to work like that. I didn't say number three, Understanding. We are to live with other people with understanding, allowing them to be themselves without penalizing them for what they did. And because of everything we have discussed so far, we as a staff have committed to what we call the social covenants, 10 line items that say, here's a place where we agree. And, and nobody's void of that, myself included. Man, we're going to attack problems, not people. We got to get stuff straight. We're going to choose to believe the best in others while we're having difficult conversations. We need it. And we will confront ruthlessly any restraints because those restraints are keeping us, you can put it on a family level, keeping our families from being all God called us to be and created us for. They're restraints. We need to talk about them. I don't see it, but you do. Okay, I'm willing to talk about it. I'm living in forgiveness and understanding. Let's talk about it. Let's figure out a plan that works for us, that works for our family. If we're talking about the church, the same applies. We commit to do it on a family, a personal level, so that we can do it in a corporate level. And it's not easy, but it's worth it. When hearts are misaligned, this can be, and this can cause problems, and hearts get hurt. But if we, understand, if we don't understand that the devil is stirring up trouble in relationships because his time is short, then we will believe the lies of Satan over the truths and the love of those who are trying to love on us. You've seen it. You've all lived it out. You all have it nearby you. And it ought not be. Number two is this. Love invests in the destiny of others. And I'm just going to run through this. 1 Samuel 18, 1 and 4. It says, now when the, he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. Like knit. Anybody knit in here? No knitters? Got one. I think Christian just raised his hand. He said, I knit. I knit. He's a guy in the leather jacket over there. Looks really cool. I knit. I'm going to go knit today after lunch. He knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home into his father's house anymore. Verse 3, then Jonathan and David made a covenant. You know what a covenant is, Christian? A covenant. You know what a covenant is, Lauren? A covenant. A covenant is, I'm going to do my part even when you don't. When you're going through a season and you're like, I can't get up. I just can't function. I can't do it. I can't get it. I just, I just have the I don't want to's. I don't care to's. I can't. I'm struggling. Sorry, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Like, let's not lie. I'm going to be upset about it a little bit. <laughs> 
I'm gonna not, I might not like you for a little season, but I love you. Like I'm going to grumble on the inside, but I'm not going to listen to the inner voices that say it's time for you to go because you're not happy anymore. Happiness is never supposed to be the goal of a relationship or a life situation. It's the byproduct of applying God's word into any situation. Therefore, happy is he. Blessed is he. It's a byproduct of applying God's word. It's not the goal. And a goal of happiness is destroying the body of Christ, is destroying believers, is destroying marriages, is destroying, destroying the purpose and the calling of God on people's lives. Well, I'm just not happy. Amen. Well, are you applying God's word? Well, I may know because I'm not happy. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Verse 4, And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to the sword. Now, jo jo Jonathan was the one in line to be next, to be king, right after Saul. Jonathan's son, he had, it was the heir to the throne. This is the way it was. But Jonathan saw the call of God, the favor of God on David's life, and he says, no, 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 I should be, but I'm gonna lay my, my rights down because you definitely will be. So he took off his robe, he took off his bow, he took off his armor, he took off his sword, he took off his belt, and he says, listen, I can see the call of God, and I'm not gonna get in the way of God. He became defenseless, vulnerable, transparent in these actions. Some guy, hey, don't you think it's time to get a little defenseless in your relationships? Guys, you love this word? Time to get a little vulnerable, a little transparent. Here, take a look in. Instead of being afraid what people might think and see because you've been judged or you're gonna feel judged or you've been manipulated or you're gonna feel manipulated. Hmm. We're dividing the line between the world and the church right now. Have you ever tried to love someone who still has their armor on? Well, I'm gonna let you get this close, but don't you dare cross that line. I'm gonna love you, I love you so much, oh, but don't cross that line. And the very, get this, if you don't get anything else, tweet it, quote it, put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter, put it on, put it on uh, TikTok, whatever it is. Some of the very things that you're using to protect you are the very things that are causing harm in your life. And it's gotta be the other person. It can't be me and all my armor that I'm using to protect me that's causing me to think in old ways. David's love confirmed that he would not harm Jonathan so maybe it's true that love does cast out all fear. I wanna say that when God's love does not rule your relationships, the only other option is your own happiness and it's never meant to be the goal. And if your happiness is the goal of your relationships, then I'm not happy becomes the reason for everything that you do. And it will control you, it will drive you in circles, you will continually be uh, tapered to a pole running around and you can't see it but everybody else can you're chasing something it's a pursuit but only when you begin to apply God's word in that situation those situations what you see all throughout scripture is when we when one person is was willing to lay down their own rights for the dignity and the destiny of another God always steps in and he does the miraculous he just shows up so when we lay down our version of what should be 
the outcome to, to love another by honoring their dignity and investing in their destiny, God in turn supernaturally begins to cause some things to happen for us. It starts by making repairs in us, and then he begins to make repairs through us. You got to get it. It's God's will that we love others. We honor the dignity of others, and we invest in the destiny of others. And when we are willing to do those things, we're laying down our lives in love, just like Christ laid down his life for us. And I don't understand it. I don't even want to really want to do it, but I want to trust you. And so, therefore, I will. And when we'll just take on that risk, that heart, God begins to do the miraculous in us and everything changes. Let me pray for you, okay? Number one thing we need to know is, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us? I know all around this room, he's highlighting moments of today's message. Maybe he spoke to you in worship. Maybe he's identifying some armor that you've been holding on to. Maybe he's identifying some relational problems that you've been having and, dang, it's not them. Maybe he's saying for the covenants, for the relationships that he's brought to you that were meant for healing when you think they're there to hurt you, but they're really there to better you. Maybe it's time to reconsider. Life is full of re's. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We're going to repair. We've got to restore. Maybe there's something that you think is unrepairable and it's broken and it's gone, but it's not. It's not. But humbly, according to God's word, laying down your shield, your bow, your belt, your arrows, becoming defenseless, vulnerable, transparent. Maybe God will do the miraculous in your life. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to do the miraculous right now. I pray that you speak to us, identify our needs, identify the things that we've been using as excuses, as reasons, places of iniquity that we've called identity, the places we've decided to put a peg in the ground and fight for that don't even belong to you. Help us, Holy Spirit. And thank you for the relationships that you've given us to heal us and bring us into our next season. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Can I get a good amen?